The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Fourteen twenty in the morning, 14 minutes and 20 seconds, where the sports talk to get you through your daily commute. Hot takes, recaps, best bets, and a little humor to get your day going in the right direction. Sit back, grab your coffee, and let's get into it. All right, 14.20 in the morning for this uh, 13th day of November 2023. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek.com and the SeatGeek app. Use promo code 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today and save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase, whether it be hockey tickets, football tickets, whatever you're planning on going to. Get your Christmas shopping done now over there at SeatGeek and save yourself a couple of bucks. We all know how inflation everything is uh, going this these days. Wow, storylines on the news. We, we don't uh, talk about that kind of stuff here, 14.20 in the morning. Morning. Remember, we are part of the Belly Up Media Network. Go to bellyupsports.com to check out all their great articles and uh, other great podcasts, such as the Corner Booth, uh, Rise of the Occasion, Captain Luke Stravaganza, and my favorite, as always, the guys at Craft Brood Sports. Always a good time listening to those boys. And thank you very much from all of us here at 1420 World Headquarters for uh, listening to the show and watching on YouTube on a daily basis. We appreciate uh, the, the boost and everything that we've been getting for the last while. It's been uh, a lot of work put into it, but it's uh, well worth it getting the uh, entertainment out of the masses, I guess. Another week's gone by, another week's beginning here. A lot of new storylines around the National Hockey League. Uh, we'll talk about the Oilers uh, fire a little bit in depth, uh, the firing that Happened yesterday. Jay Woodcroft out. Chris Knob walk in, and how uh, much that kind of stinks a little bit. Like did a little bit of a, a dive on some stuff that I didn't know about. Actually, I want to talk about it right now. Uh, it seems to me that that's becoming more and more. After I did a little bit of reading yesterday about some different things, I realized some stuff. I'm like, I don't do uh, a ton of research for this show. Obviously, it's just more of a uh, a heartfelt thing. But I did a little bit of a dive yesterday, and I didn't know that uh, Jeff Jackson was, um, who's now the uh, CEO in charge of hockey operations uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. I didn't realize that he was Connor McDavid's uh, agent, and he was one who brokered the deal to make him the, the highest played, uh, highest paid per average uh, year, hundred million dollar guy, and everything else in in hockey history. I was unaware that he was the close ties. He obviously had to McDavid to be his agent. And now that he's the CEO of hockey operations and pretty much the, uh, the I don't want to say the man in charge because that, that's still uh, Ken Holland, but he's kind of the man in charge now. And it, it just smells a lot. Like I said, yes, it kind of smells a lot that Knobloch got hired, but now that you know, there's a tie there with Knobloch or, or with, uh, with, yeah, with Knobloch and with, with Jeff Jackson and with McDavid, it all kind of uh, it stinking a little bit even more. And then you, you think about the, Connor Brown acquisition that didn't make a whole bunch of sense because he hasn't really done much. And he, he was kind of just one of those guys. He got a free agent contract and everything else. And with the Oilers, he's another buddy of McDavid's. It's kind of becoming the Connor McDavid show. Yes, every superstar uh, in every league has that, has that uh, pedigree with their team. I understand that 100%. But it seems to me it's more so the Connor McDavid show and he's not really uh, living up to his end of the bargain. Yeah. He got 150 points last year, but this year he hasn't done a damn thing. Uh, in my opinion, he's a uh, hundred and plus whatever leading scorer in the league right now. He'll get an uptick. I'm not worried about, about him, but, uh, it, like you, you look at the other guys who pull off this kind of crap over the years. Uh, you go to one LeBron James. At least LeBron James won some championships. Yes, he had to go uh, down to Miami and get a decision, which which stunk to high heaven as well. But the, how he was picking and choosing who was on his team, who was coaching, and on and on it goes. It uh, reminds you a, a lot about what's happening now with the Oilers. And it's uh, you, you look at that firing, and it still makes zero sense to me why they did it when they did it. I understand they had to go and find a coach. So I guess they made a decision after the loss to San Jose the other night um but they, so and they, they let uh 
they let Woodcroft coach the game on Saturday versus the um, the Seattle Kraken. But it, it just stinks to high heaven the way this thing is all play, playing a part. And it just doesn't uh, – it's not a good look for McDavid moving forward. Uh, he's become known as a coach killer already in his career. This is his fifth head coach in in uh, his eight-year career with the Oilers. And it just – it's a really bad a bad look and a bad scene, in my opinion, with, uh, with uh, what's going on there in – in uh, Edmonton, you, you wonder how what's the other moves are coming and how much McDavid uh, has a say in what goes on. Yes, I understand you got to uh, ask your superstars. I'm sure whenever there's a big decision made in Pittsburgh, <coughs> sorry, they they ask they ask. Uh, Sidney Crosby, and I'm sure when there's a big decision that'd be made in Colorado, they 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 go out and they ask McCarr and McKinnon what what they think of things, not to be the the final voice of things, but just to, to have this uh, situation. But the thing is, with those guys, they've won, they've won championships, they they've uh, they they've done it all before. They 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 have uh, rings on their fingers. McDavid doesn't have any, so they have been on their fifth coach in eight years. It, it's starting to stink a little bit more and more. So this might be the year where they they better get something done, or the crowd's going to start to revolt against McDavid a little bit. Because people, people have very short memories, right? It's a, what have you done for me lately? No matter what in the world of sports, and but with McDavid not uh, producing a championship, and yes, they've they've lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion the last two years in the playoffs. But to have a situation there in Edmonton where they haven't won anything, uh, and he's making the decisions, it, it looks more and more like Connor McDavid's making all the decisions on who's even getting hired, which is uh, completely ridiculous, and whose free agents are coming in and everything else for for, for McDavid to have the appearance. I'm not saying that he does, but it, it's the appearance that McDavid's making th- these decisions. And you wonder if it's his, his teammates like, who the hell's this guy? He's just another player like the rest of us. Like, yes, he's a, he's an unbelievable talent. He's a, he's a generational guy, best ever and all the things like how, how much we talk about the guy, but you, you, you might think his other teammates, this is completely hypothetical. I don't know. Obviously I'm not on the, in, the, uh, the inside of the, uh, the oiler, oiler nation and the, uh, what goes on in the lo- in the boardroom, the locker room, but it just, it's starting to look, look like a duck and smells like a duck. It is a duck. And it, this one situation, I think McDavid really better. He better do something. He better turn this team around. He better turn his season around, or else the uh, the faithful up in Edmonton are going to revolt because that's how they are up there. And it's they're a great hockey town. They got knowledgeable hockey fans. But you know what? What have you done for me lately? And the '97 jerseys might get thrown on the ice sooner rather than later if they don't get something done up there. It's just yeah, it just stinks. Um, another thing I want that uh, news and notes of the week coming up National Hockey League tonight, the Hall of Fame. Inductions happen out there in Toronto. Henrik Lundqvist, Carolyn Willette, Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon, Pierre Turgeon, Ken Hitchcock, and the late Pierre Lacroix are all getting the call into the hall tonight. Uh, it's all the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, conversations are always quite uh, enticing and quite easy to uh, get people riled up to one side or the other. Um, I. I, I agree with uh, Lundqvist and Willette. They probably should go, they, they get in. Lundqvist probably the best goalie of his generation. You don't know he didn't win any uh, championships, but he's the uh, 2014. He came real close, losing to the uh, LA Kings uh, in that great series there with the Rangers. But you, you wonder you wonder what's going to happen like with these these other guys. Like and Willette was is 100. She should have got in her first. She's an all time great in the women's uh, the women's game. Uh, one of the best ever to play to play for Team Canada and, and the like. So that's a no brainer that she's getting in. But the other guys, I'm not exactly 100 sure of, and I've never understood why guys get into the Hall of Fame or girls uh, years later after years of eligibility and everything else. Uh, it's an easy conversation to have because I, I, I've always wondered how guys get better as they're, they, the longer they're retired. They don't. It's a, either you're a Hall of Famer or you, or you aren't. Maybe two years of eligibility if you have, like who cares if you have uh, 10 or 15 guys voting or get voted in that night 
and then you have a bunch of speeches. Start them earlier in the day. Yeah, I know there's TV constraints and everything else. Put it up on YouTube. Who cares? If you're going to watch it, because you're not going to want going to watch uh, a player you don't know anyways. Like, I'm, I'll, I might watch tonight when it's on. I might talk, like, the Mike Vernon thing. Or I might, because he's a, a Calgary guy, and there's some ties to when he he, he uh, snubbed the left of the Broncos back in 83 uh, to not play for them. He went and played for the Portland Winterhawks in the, uh, in the Memorial Cup uh, all those years ago, 40 years ago. God, it's hard to believe. But uh, so I might watch that one. But you, in general, when people watch the Hall of Fame inductions, and most people don't, um, they, they'll watch the player that they, that they, that they uh, grew up watching or they're a fan of that team, and that's it. So why they, they need to, uh, to to shorten the the uh, the video content, the, the on-air content, the TV is kind of a mystery to me. They have it for eight hours and put 10 guys in the Hall of Fame, put 15 guys in the Hall of Fame. Who cares? Uh, to, to, to have to fill guys, fill, fill spots because you want the X amount of guys going in year in, year out. Either you're a Hall of Famer or you, or you aren't. Uh, I don't think that Pierre Turgeon's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of really good. Um, in fact, a Hall of good. I don't know if it's really good even. He put up some big numbers, but everybody's putting up big numbers back then. Uh, he was a, a really good player on some pretty bad teams, uh, like with the Islanders there. He had one good year, and then uh, when they beat the, the Penguins, I think it was 93. That's 30 years ago now. So, like, how these guys get better, I don't understand. Like, Mike Vernon's a, a good, serviceable goaltender. Uh, I don't think we if you remember a few months, few months back we had uh, Cantair, Dave's uh, cousin, on the show, and he's a big Mike Vernon apologist. So he was uh, kind of talking about that Vernon's in for sure. And I think Vernon's good. Tom Barrasso, his uh, his pedigree or his uh, stats, like he won, he won a Calder, he won a Vesna, he uh, won a few Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was also back in the 90s, obviously. So how these guys 30 years later become Hall of Famers, I know that Barrasso was, uh, I think he was kept out a long time ago for his um, uh, not being very nice with the media. He was kind of a, uh, a bit of a, well, said he was, it's 1040 in the morning here at 1420 World Headquarters. So it's going to be my first uh, swear word of the day. He was a bit of a dick. Uh, to the media, and that's who votes guys in, right? So that's why he wasn't in for the longest time. But if uh, how he got better over the years, maybe that's something that Hall of Fame committee has to look at too. That if a guy is a bit, uh, bit of a dickhead to the media, whoever, it, that shouldn't uh, affect uh, his voting privileges or getting voted in. Because if you're, if you're, it's the on the ice product what you got. And if somebody gets their feelings hurt a little bit, it shouldn't matter a whole bunch if a guy is uh, great or, or or not with the media. Um, the other, like, it's just I, I don't know how much I. I like the um the, the the Tom Brasso one going in now. I know I don't like the Vernon one going much now. The guy like that uh, gets in for sure to me is Ken Hitchcock. He's one of the all-time greatest coaches. Uh goes back to those days in Kamloops with the Blazers and then moving on and everything else that he's done uh with the Dallas Stars. And uh, he's just been was a great coach. And he was another one that got killed by McDavid uh, out there in Edmonton. So that's, that's a good one. Uh, Pierre Lacroix, he fell into a bit of a uh, pool of hot butter i think with the uh, call with the colorado avalanche when they made that trade in quebec for lindros and all those players that ended up going uh trade trade for lindros with philadelphia you remember that trade back in it was 91 draft that, that all happened when lindros decided he wasn't going to play with quebec and they ended up getting forestburg and uh, the rest is history with the uh quebec nordique uh and uh colorado avalanche um uh, franchise history, but he's a he's a he'd be put a team together, and I don't know if managers should get in there because sometimes if you got deep pockets, you you don't look like a pretty good manager. I like uh, Kenny Holland out there in Detroit when he was there. Now he's in Edmonton. Look at that disaster he's got. So these managers who get into the Hall of Fame, I don't know for team building. I, I don't I don't much get it because if you spent you can spend your way to the top, you can also spend your way to the bottom. There's no getting around that. But you can spend your way to the top and get to the Hall of Fame just because you, you have a owner with deep pockets. I I don't know how much I like that. 
because uh, you, th- you look at those Detroit teams that were, that were winning Stanley Cups year in, year out against Colorado. Um, they uh, they weren't they didn't mind spending money. So it's one of those things. You, you look at that and uh, you just wonder why these guys get in the Hall of Fame just because they uh, they uh, d- d- they might not have been the smartest GMs, but they had the deepest pockets for for owners. So it's uh, Hall of Fame is always great. Like it's always a good conversation. Guys get in. I'm, I mean, you're not going to be smirch a guy for getting in the Hall of Fame. They, they had to be obviously very good players to even be uh, considered to get in. But there's some guys that I think get in because there's a, a bit of a bias maybe going on. Vernon, he won that Stanley Cup with uh, Calgary in 89. Uh, cut three or four big saves in that game seven overtime in the first round against Vancouver. So maybe that gets him in just that, that big performance. And uh, Landy McDonald's a Hall of Famer. And Landy says he should be in. He was the, the reason why they won that Stanley Cup back in 89. They had a really good team in 89. So I don't know. And then his other one with... Um, with the uh, Detroit Red Wings and Consmite Trophy and the like, so maybe Vernon's in, maybe Barrasso's in. I get it, but uh, Terjan, I don't think he's a he's a Hall of Hall of Famer. Hall of really good, and that's about, that's about as far as that goes. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is the. Uh, Coming up later on this week, I think it's November 16th and 19th next weekend, it is uh, Detroit, Ottawa, Minnesota, and Toronto are all, uh, they're flying over to Sweden to take part in the uh, the Global Series. My question is why. Uh, I understand you want to try to grow the game a little bit, and hockey's been trying to do it forever. I don't know why you would go to the, to Sweden, of all places, to try to grow the game. I would I would say per capita, Detroit, or not Detroit, Sweden, which a lot of Swedes end up playing for Detroit, being very successful, but uh, Sweden is probably per capita is the second biggest hockey nation in the world. So going to a country like Sweden with the National Hockey League makes zero sense to me. It's not growing the game anymore. It's not doing anything, but I don't think you're putting any more eyeballs on it. I think you're taking eyeballs away because some of these games are starting at at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Check your local listings. That uh, nobody, like, so you basically have a fan base on Thursday and Friday who can't watch the game. And then there's games at 8 a.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. So there's games that people who are fans of these teams aren't going to get up to watch. Like if a game's at 8 a.m. Eastern, my uh, my brother-in-law, he won't be getting up to watch a Leafs game, I don't think, at 6 in the morning on, on a Saturday. I just don't see that happening or whenever his game is. Like, But you guys know what I'm getting at. It doesn't make sense to me to alienate the, uh, the fan bases you already have throughout the National Hockey League and to say, you know what, because they're having trouble enough growing the game around here like attendance numbers aren't aren't great in some cities right and to, to have these games being played when people can't watch it or won't watch it is, is the biggest thing it doesn't make a bunch of sense to me to have to go to a country that's as big as it's going, it's going to get to, for the hockey for the hockey world if you wanted to get like grow it over in i don't even know what country i, I don't I, i'm not a I'm not a geography major by any means, but I think you uh, you understand what I'm saying here. There's a, a there's some countries that you could grow the game in a little bit, but there's some countries that aren't that this is what it is. And I think Sweden is one of those countries that this is what it is. It's immensely pop- popular already. They're, they, they're a hockey power. They're one of the top four in the in the world year in year out when Olympics and World Championships and everything else. So I don't know what you possibly think that you're doing by sending these games over to over to Sweden. And uh, like I said, I think you're alienating your fans uh, in North America. A lot more than you're helping grow the game over in Sweden, which has got it has its own league, it has its own junior leagues, it has uh, it's it, they're, they're they're hugely successful when they host world championships and world juniors and everything else. I I don't understand the logic, and if somebody wants to to fill me in there, uh, email me at fourteen twenty sports at gmail.com because I I do not understand why the what the point of all this is. It makes zero sense to me. Why I, I think we talked about it with Jim at the fan of the van, and Dave and I talked about it last week with the NFL how they're they start these games in Germany at seven in the morning and seven o'clock 
Mountain Standard Time, which is six o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. And so who's getting up to watch that freaking game at six in the morning? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody cares that much. Well, they people care that much, but yeah, you uh, you think you you understand what I'm saying? It just doesn't. It uh, kind of stinks a bit in my, to high heaven in my eyes, and it, it doesn't make any any sense to me. Uh, and lastly, we, we, before we get over to uh, birthdays and everything else, uh, don't look now, but those Boston Bruins are 11-1 and two, and they're rolling again. They had overtime win last night, and they got a hell of a hockey team there in Boston once again. Could come up with their what they had last year going on with their record breaking year that they saw whatever 120 some points. 130 points, whatever it ended up being last year, but losing out in the first round to the Florida Panthers in a uh, game seven thriller. You, it's just funny that you have a team that's rolling again and they're, they're doing everything they can to win, win again. And they look like they're going to be great again. And they like Bergeron retired and, and the uh, Pasternak still flying. You still got Marshawn being a, being Marshawn out there, but they still got a great team. They got great goaltending there in Boston. But the thing that, that, that um, I find funny about the Boston Bruins is that nobody um, cares, right? Nobody's talking about them being one of the best team in the league, being, being one of the a Stanley cup contender. Cause this group, it's changed, but the core has been been pretty much there. They, they just replace, regroup everything else year in, year out. But this team hasn't um, done anything. They're the one Stanley Cup championship in 2011 versus the, the Canucks. And you, you just wonder, does anybody care? Or does anybody worry about the Boston Bruins? when it comes playoff time because they've proven year out year in year out that they just can't do uh they, they can't do anything i don't think they scare the big boys i think the big boys in hockey right now are are the uh, the biggest golden knights i think the colorado avalanche are right there and then you have a, a rangers team who was really good but is anybody scared of those teams it seems like the western conference is the is the big boys they play a different game they play a little bit heavier hockey out this way i'm not saying that they're better i'm just saying it just seems like they say they play a little heavier hockey look how good that that uh, los angeles kings team is too like no I don't think anybody's scared of the New Jersey Devils. I don't think anybody's scared of the Boston Bruins. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things you, you look at it and go, okay, what the heck's going on here? Because 11-1-2 uh, and two at this stage in the in the, in the uh, season, that's pretty damn good. Like you're you're cementing yourself a, uh, a Stanley Cup playoff chance in on the 13th day of November. So it's just inter- interesting to see these teams getting off these great starts and nobody really, really notices or really cares. Because Boston, they're just there every year and people get used to it, but they're also used to them not doing anything in the playoffs. And it's just, uh, it's just funny how it all plays out. That way, because if it was a uh, like you look how great uh, what, what's it, uh, the the Canucks are ten two and one or whatever they are, and everybody's saying they, these guys are contenders. Like they're they're and, and Vancouver's never done anything. So it's just funny how two different fan bases or two different parts of the country and two different parts of North America and two different parts of the hockey world uh, could see what a record is and they they take their own they uh, put their own spin on it to see how it all works out. So it's just interesting to uh, how the hockey world can can uh, look at different teams and different things. There's the uh, what's going to happen this week in the in the week uh, the world of hockey. It's going to be an interesting week, interesting season coming up. Uh, got some guests coming up. Old Jakey's uh, lining things up as we speak for us to, to bring some other guys on at 14, 20 in the morning. So you hear some other voices, not just mine, uh, rambling through my through my ear, eardrums. And as you're on that, make sure you go to uh, the1420sportsbar.com uh, to check out all uh, some great articles and listen to some uh, everything. Everything 1420 related is right on there. Our merch store, uh, links to all our shows, everything else that's right on there. And some articles and Redlinsky's ramblings is on that. We put it on every Friday. So make sure you go and check that out um we appreciate everybody who does that on a daily basis there's a lot of a lot of work goes behind it we uh, we enjoy doing it here at 1420 world headquarters here is a uh, word from our friends over at SeatGeek. seat geek is the ticketing app for fans like the high five strangers guy game winning interception first down just a nice solid tackle if you're in arm's length you will be swapping skin with this extrovert 
You see, he knows SeatGeek got him a great deal on tickets, so he can focus on what he does best, smacking palms. SeatGeek handles the tickets to sports, concerts, and more, so fans can fan. There it is. Uh, remember to go to uh, SeatGeek.com, the SeatGeek app, and use promo code 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today and save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase. Thanks to uh, thanks very much to SeatGeek for being a sponsor and longtime sponsor of the 1420 uh, Sports Bar Podcast. Here we go on this day's and birthdays. Get you guys out of here. On this day in 1997, Ken Griffey Jr. of the Seattle Mariners unanimously wins the American League MVP award. Griffey hit 305 or 304 with 56 home runs and 147 RBIs on the seasons that also saw him win a gold glove and a silver slugger award in a season that saw the Mariners win the American League West with a record of 92 and 70 before losing the Baltimore Orioles three games to one in the American League Division Series. Griffey would match his home run total of 56 again in 1998, which would stay as his career high. The 97 MVP was also the only one of his Hall of Fame career that saw him play in the All-Star game in 13 of the 22 years he played in the major leagues. Ken Griffey Jr., one of the sweetest swings in baseball history. The kid, as they called him, he was an all-time great. Like it just, You wonder what, how his career would have, uh, if he would have stayed in Seattle and the injuries happened when he ended up going over to uh, the Cincinnati Reds and they put Chicago that little cup of coffee he had with the Chicago uh, White Sox. You just wonder what it, how it all would have played out for Griffey. He was obviously like one of the best to ever play the game. There's no getting around that. But you just uh, you wonder how like his. Uh, you just want like you're winning a championship that obviously cements you to your your history. But uh, Griffey, man, that the smile and swing and the the swagger he had, and he just revolutionized the game a little bit. And he uh, made baseball fun compared to the the the. Uh, growly old boys club that used to uh, patrol the uh, the fields managers and stuff. Yeah, just crazy. Like, Griffey was just, that smile and the way he played was just phenomenal. And uh, let's go to happy 60th birthday to Heisman Trophy winner Vinny Testaverde, born on this day in 1963 in Brooklyn, New York. Testaverde played his college football at the University of Miami, who he played for the Hurricanes from 1982 to 1986. And as a senior, he'd win the Heisman Trophy after throwing for 2,557 yards and 26 touchdowns. Testaverde was drafted first overall in the 1987 draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And needless to say, things didn't go so well for uh, Testaverde. In his second season, he struggled heavily with a 47.6 completion rate and 35 interceptions. Testaverde became a a journeyman in his career, making stops in Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, with the New York Jets twice, Dallas, New England, and Carolina, throwing for 46,233 yards and 275 touchdowns and 267 interceptions. And on May 7, 2013, Testaverde was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Happy birthday to Vinny Testaverde. Uh, yeah, he's one of those guys. He stuck around forever. Hauled it pretty good. Like, he threw a lot of interceptions kind of a, a laughing stock and everything else. But he's a hell of a college football player, obviously. Those those great Miami teams back in the 80s, how they just reloaded quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And then the U, and everybody knows all the story about those teams that were winning national championships. I think Tester already lost to uh, Penn State in 86 that, or 87. Uh, just it didn't quite get her done, but that doesn't much matter. Anyways, there's 1420 in the morning for uh, for this Monday. Uh, make sure you guys check out our other uh, shows throughout the week. Uh, just put us in your ears, binge watch with a lot, lots going on. Uh, tonight, me and Dave will do our our usual uh, Monday night recap 
uh, of the NFL Week 10, I think it is now. So we'll do, do that, uh, talk about uh, things going on. We got a friend of the show from Bruliano, Aaron from Bruliano Sports coming on to join us there. So that should be a lot of fun. And his co-host, Joey House, will be joining us as well. So that should be a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of fun having a different uh, set of diff- different voices for F that team and everything else going into uh, Week 10, wrapping it up tonight. So make sure you guys check that out uh, when it's out tomorrow. And thank you very much for everybody listening to the 1420 podcast each and every day. Uh, and remember, it doesn't matter where you are. It's who you're with. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. You just listened to the 1420 Sports Bar Podcast. Four beer of the sports talk and a whole lot more. We are part of the Belly Up Media Network. Let's get it.